Hello everyone and welcome to episode 58 of the Agile Pubcast. Sorry it's been a bit of a while but Jeff's been off having babies so we have managed to track him down to a pub in Bristol for a quick pint and a chat. In this episode we talk about the phoenix from the flames and it starts with a bit of a conversation about Jeff's newborn child and the impact that's having on his life and there's a bit of an update from me on some of the coaching I've been doing recently with a new client and some of the challenges that they're facing. And just like the phoenix bird itself, we end by talking about death, but mainly death of projects or products and how to know when to say no to more delivery. So it's only right that we start with a good old jingle that we've all come to know and love. Here we go. Evening. Good evening, Jeff. How do? How do? All right, sir. All right, my lover. <laughs> Cheers, drive. And all that. Great lush. Great lush, isn't it? And Bristol lemon. Oh, Bristol, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we were intending this to be a live stream, but unfortunately, Bristol the, uh, Wi-Fi is not up to much. The internet hasn't reached Bristol yet, no. so no 4G, no Wi-Fi. No. Uh, dreadful. Dreadful. So we're stuck in um, stuck in a pub, just old-fashioned, with a with a dictaphone. Yeah. <coughs> so second world problems and all that. Yeah. Nigel's not going to like us for <laughs> saying it, but uh, right now Bristol sucks. Bristol sucks. Yeah. So anyway, we're in a pub called the Phoenix. Phoenix. Where whereabouts in Bristol? Is it's it? this is literally by Camel Market, Circus. Market Square. Yeah. So Market this is area. end of the M32, right at the uh, in the heart of this is shopping districts in Bristol, basically. It is now. It wasn't. Didn't used to be. I can't even remember what used to be here before Cabot Circus. Cabo Cabot, John Cabot. Yeah. I think it was yeah. just probably grotty houses. I suppose. I can't honestly remember. <laughs> I'm enamouring myself to Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> Good, day, good evening, Bristol, if you're listening. All our Bristol followers. Nice to be here. Anyway, yeah, the Phoenix. Well, is it the Phoenix? Just it's like Phoenix. No, I think it is the Phoenix. Oh, no, is it? I'd like to think so, but I can't see the word the there. Is there more than one? Is it is there? Phoenix. Sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? Mythological part. Griff, no, no, I'm thinking of griffin, it's not a griffin, it's, it, what is it, what is a part, what part, eagle? I'd look, but I've got no internet. No, exactly, so we can't find out. I don't, is it part of anything, is it just not a mythological it's just bird? A, I think it's, it's a bird, it's a bird though. Yeah, but it, I, don't, I don't think it's like a, a sphinx a, or anything, that's a bird. part of that, I think it's just a, a bird that a never bird existed. The bird that rises from the flames. Yeah. There's a phoenix in Harry Potter, isn't there? Yes. Or, order of the phoenix, and... Uh, Remember the name of the the bird, the, the phoenix that's in the Chamber of Secrets. There's something like Sphinx or something like that. Anyway, not in the Gryffindor House. No. Does, so, does the phoenix die and then come back to life? Yes. Or does, it, does the bird? I know it doesn't Harry Potter, but does that is that the the, the myth of the phoenix that it yeah, dies I believe and then so. gets reborn, or does I'll it check it? Mm, I'll, right. go, I'll go to Dictionary Corner and I'll check. Good luck with that. You, you, you feel what I do. Talk this. amongst yourselves. Yeah. Well, I'm drinking a beer from the Bristol Beer Factory. <laughs> you just made that up. <laughs> Hello, Bristol it's Brewery. Glass. Oh, it does say Bristol Beer Factory on the bottle glass. Yeah, you're right. So the Bristol Beer Factory is called Independence. <clears throat> 
and it's a US style pale ale apparently which is pale doesn't really have a lot of character really no 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 you're not impressed not really I mean it's, there's nothing bad about it but it's quite watery it's probably a good thing in a way I suppose but no it's not particularly inspiring it's quite it doesn't, it doesn't look very attractive no it's quite see-through isn't it yeah it's no, not the best no looking ale I've ever seen it does it almost looks like a- apple apple squash or something. Well, I was going to say when we we did a podcast not long ago where I described an alcohol free bit alcohol free beer as yeah. beer flavoured squash. Yeah. And this doesn't taste that different. Right? Slightly warmer. How strong is it? Four point six. Yeah. So average. So I've gone for uh, again the same brewery. Is it? Yeah. No, it's not. No, it's it's the same brewery. Cotswold Beer Company, it's the same oh, it's as Cotswold. yours. Mine's Bristol Beer Company, oh, okay. yours is the Cotswold Brew Company. So this is um, <coughs> just a, I think it's just called Cotswold Cider. It's got its, own, it's got a fancy glass, it's got its own kind of t- tankered glass. Um, no, tankered. Nice. Well, it's tankered. Oh, right. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's not it's not the best pint of cider I've ever had in the world ever either. Bristol's so. not doing well today, is it? It's, it's, uh, it's not meeting our it's high disappointing. <clears throat> but at least the company's good. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, the phoenix. Oh yeah. Is a long-lived bird that cyclically, 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 regenerates or is otherwise born again, associated with the sun. A phoenix obtains new life by rising from the ashes of its predecessor. So it isn't reborn as such. If it's a predecessor, it's a different thing, though, isn't it? it? But it's, it emerges from the ashes of the f- previous bird. Hmm. Yeah. But it's a different bird. Yes. <laughs> Which is very bird, similar yeah. as to what happens in Harry Potter and the uh, Chamber of Secrets, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Which is a book I've read with my kids. Hmm. Very good. Okay. Not, we haven't chosen this pub deliberately, just close. <laughs> it was close to Five Guys, which we've just eaten. So. We should get Do we get, bur- spon- we should get sponsored by Five Guys. Other burgers are available, but they're nowhere near as good as Five Guys. <laughs> five Guys is the best burger. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's, been, it's been a while since uh, we've done all of these, so cheers. Cheers. It's been a bit of a, um, a hiatus of, yeah. of uh, podcasts lately. Mainly through me, taking some time off. Yeah. How's that going for you? Yeah. All right. It's going well, to be fair, as, as babies go. Not too disruptive. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good, I think. He's much easier than the other two were, I would say. Yeah. In terms of if this was the Kenefin framework now, where, <laughs> where would you uh, say baby, kind of your... Um, your decision-making process is now with the baby. Is it? Is it simple? Because it's, it's, in terms of the lifestyle right now, it is simple, isn't it? It's, it's well, I think the baby cries. Oh, it could be a multi- multitude of things. Yeah, I think it, 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 it depends, doesn't it? So there's, there's there's a few things where it's clear and obvious. Um, you know, when it. So when you smell poo, you need yeah, to change, change your nappy. And, and don't drop it on his head. You know? No, there, there basic, basic principles of, of looking after children. Yeah, temperature, keep them warm and that kind of thing. There are some things where, you know, a bit of analysis and people have done this before, you can learn from their experience. And we've and done, you've it done it before, before so, so we can learn from our experience. The children. But there's still a lot of stuff where even though all human beings are effectively the same, we're all different as well. And so you try, you try different things in trial and error. 
trying to get wind up, for example. Yes. Lots of different ways that you can do it. Not always going to be successful. You keep trying and you do more of the stuff that works and less of the stuff that doesn't work. And you don't always know if it's wind that's the problem, Jeff. That's true. Could be, a, could be something else. You don't, the feedback mechanism isn't great with babies. No, no. It's not, um, not particularly rich forms of feedback. No, it's true. Which isn't helpful. But that, that'll change. Um, yeah, Grayson. Grayson is his name. Yep. Still a bit weird. Well, I'll, I'll uh, oh. take my glass. Cheers, mate. Welcome to the world, Grayson. <sighs> is this officially called wetting the baby's head? Or is it, have you done that? Have you, are you going to do that? No, let's That's call it thing, that. Isn't let's it? call it that. Yeah. 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 What's all that about? I don't know. It's because it, it's, it's not actually physically getting your baby's head wet. Do you think it was once upon a time? Maybe there is a, a story behind that, but the um, let's let's Google that. Google Jeff, will, well, I'll talk while you you Google. But obviously now that's synonymous with it seems to be um, a celebration. And again, mate, I, I hate to say it, but it's it's usually the the fathers or the father <laughs> tends to go to the pub and uh, wet the baby's head. The process of celebrating... This is from Urban Dictionary. Oh, so it must, so be, it must right. be true. The process of celebrating the birth of a baby, traditionally taking its name from the Christian baptismal rite, during which the head of a baby would be wet with blessed water, the phrase now commonly relates to the consumption of large amounts of alcohol as a celebration of the new arrival. The actual process of wetting the baby's head is far more fun before the baby is born. <laughs> <laughs> I won't read the... No, and, yeah, I, and it doesn't say anything there about specifically for fathers either. I assume mothers and fathers can go and, and celebrate yeah, their in our gender equal gender equal world. Um, world. Absolutely. Why not? Unless you're breastfeeding. Well, yes. Then the advice, that, really. the advice probably is not to do that. No. There is a lot more. A lot more. What's the word I'm looking for? I mean, I, I'll say advice. Scaremongering. All right. Okay. In so what, looking after children. Looking after children. Consider so much for, for everybody else's benefit. My other children are quite old, sixteen yeah. and twelve. So guidelines have changed a lot. Yeah. So, and, and I know all people say this. You know, when we were younger, we did this, and it never caused us any problems. Yeah. Um, my mum my, my dropped me on my head. That never caused me any problems. That kind of thing. Um, brandy in the whisk, brandy in the milk, and stuff like that to yeah. get you go to sleep, and that kind of thing. Never turned me into an alcoholic. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so the, the guidelines have changed, and it's just some of the stuff you think, really? Like, for example, you're not supposed to put them in a car seat for more than half an hour at a time. Yeah. But, you know, we would literally drive around for hours to send our kids to sleep, because it's going to be a good sleep. Um, and you're not supposed to put them in a snowsuit in the car seat. Yeah, because it stops the straps working well. Right. And so, you know, on a cold day, you're supposed to get them out of the car seat, then put them into the snowsuit to put them into a car. All these kinds of things. Are you, are you following those or, or ignoring those? Following some of them? So, officially on the record, <laughs> child, yeah, child if services. If the NHS are listening, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, I think we, we, we take a relatively pragmatic approach. Some of it you think makes sense, but yeah. um, no, I think there's an element of trusting your own judgment and trusting your, your instinct. But for a lot of first-time parents, I think that kind of guidance is, is really quite scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Dude, yeah. 
And I think it t- takes a lot of the joy out of parenting because you're constantly worried about, you know, am I endangering my child? Mm. And you're worried so much about doing something wrong, you're mm. not really enjoying what you're doing right. Mm. And it happens that one of my good friends is, has their first baby at the same time that we have this one. And so they're going through a very different experience than we are because they haven't got that first-hand experience of trial and error and the world didn't end if you did this. Kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I don't know whether it's relevant to what we're doing. No. Maybe well, it is. it is around the problem space and deciding what to do and, and being com- being comfortable with with when you even got when you've got all these experts around you telling you what telling you what you should do and what you shouldn't do because mm. their baby did this and their baby didn't do that. I think it takes a lot of courage to say, you know what? No, thanks for that advice, but we'll learn for ourselves and we'll, our baby prefers this our way and even now me and, my, me and my wife are still guilty of you know saying oh you should, you should. this is largely talking about my sister who I'm pretty sure won't listen to this podcast but um, oh you shouldn't allow your son to do that or you should be allowing him to him or your daughter to do this that type of thing it's, we, everyone has an opinion don't they yeah that- I think I'm gonna I'm gonna make a link here. I did a I did a talk at the last scrum gathering in London, and slightly off topic, I was asked a question. So I, I, I some people say I made a mistake of inviting the audience to to join in. Yeah, turn it into a bit of a conversation, and they're asking me some questions. It happened to be they're asking me questions about my family, um, and um, I remember this. Yeah, yeah, come. Yeah, they're also talking about uh, why, why can't you coach your family so I made a comment that I can't coach my kids I can't coach my wife and they asked me well why not I said, mm. because I care too much yeah. you know, I'm too vested in the outcome yeah. uh, and I'm more effective as a coach if I'm not invested in the outcome and I think that I then related that to my, my training <coughs> people ask me how has your training changed over the years and famously mis- misquoted if you like saying oh, I, I don't care anymore that's not exactly what I said so <laughs> I, I care less about I'm less attached to what people leave intending to do so yeah. when I first started teaching Scrum I wanted people to leave with the intention of doing Scrum Yeah. now I want people to leave knowing what Scrum is knowing how it can be done and when they should actually make some judgment calls about it. Yeah. <coughs> want them to leave with the knowledge that actually they should be not doing scrum in yeah. the long term. Yeah. Uh, and so not being attached to the specific outcome is a big thing. Yeah. I felt there was a link there. Well, you t- started talking about the talk you did in in London about yeah. Can you coach your kids? Yeah, <coughs> but even when family, family, it's usually when you, when people come round to visit family and friends, and if they've done been there before, or, you, or you're having difficulties, it's, it's only it seems only polite to show an interest mm. and to. It's very difficult to be neutral, isn't it? In that sense, if it's family and friends. Do you know whether the mother-in-law thing is 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 cross-cultural, or is it just a British thing? What about what? So the mother-in-law sense? gets a bad rep. Yeah. In the UK, doesn't it? I think it might be more a British. A lot of jokes. I think it's yeah, kind of a British. Um, 
mental mentality. Maybe. That's one of the reasons why the mother-in-law, I think, got a bad rep, is that they would turn up and tell their daughter what they should do. Well, didn't Ken Schwaber once say this? Isn't this a Ken 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 True. About memory. Scrum is, one, scrum is like your mother-in-law. Yeah. It'll tell you all of your... So maybe it's not a British thing. If it's got, if it got as far as Boston... I'm sure I heard Ken say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. It wasn't one of his most popular anecdotes. No. Canary in the coal mine or whatever, but... Um, yeah, he, he definitely called, it out, called out a mother-in-law. Because, you know, it's someone turning up and pretending that, well, not necessarily pretending, but believing they know better. Mm. And seeing someone that they can, they, is obviously less experienced than them, doing things inefficiently yeah. or differently. Yeah. Uh, and butting in. And it's a great way to build up resistance and resentment. Yeah, yeah. And as an agile coach, if you've seen something work somewhere else, it's really tempting to say, oh, don't do that, don't do that, that's, that's not going to work, do this instead. Yeah. But it's just going to build resentment, isn't it? Yeah. But many of these things don't have a, a simplistic answer. These are complex problems. Mm. Babies are very complex problems. Babies are complex. Complex character, complex little characters that can't give you a lot of feedback. Mm. What's, new, what's new with you, anyway? Um, what's new with me? Um, getting back into a bit more coaching recently, which is, which is a nice change. It's bringing its own challenges, again, around complex problems, but it's nice to get back into... Uh, some proper meaty coaching. Any interesting stories from that? Um, not that I can share publicly, I think. Yeah, just yet. We can anonymise them. Anonymise them? No, we'll I think... Brexit <laughs> Telecom. No, because it's not that. But, um, no, I think it is, it's, again, it's a fairly... What would be a hypothetical challenge that you might come across if you were to start coaching a new client? Maybe um, the real lack of kind of understanding uh, at an overall level about what the problem is. So it's interesting to me today because me and Jeff have been doing some train, advanced uh, product owner training today. Um, and the, the subject of backlog management and kind of prioritization came up at the portfolio level with lots, you know, lots of products, lots of things to prioritize. It surprised me with this coaching this client last week that you can sit a group of, let's say, middle managers down in a room, product owners and uh, delivery managers, scrum, scrum masters, excuse me. Um, and they can insist that there is a problem at the senior level in making decisions and doing too much. Yeah. So there's a lack of um, prioritization, there's a lack of uh, alignment for multiple teams, too much work in progress. A lot of those, those kind of uh, things we've heard before. Yeah, I can sit in the same office on the same day, I can sit down with the senior leadership team, C-level execs, yeah. heads of delivery management, heads of product and, and CEO of the company, and then tell me, uh, okay, then if that's a problem, then we can, we can slow down, we can do less, that we can prioritize. Mm. So despite, you know, there's a real kind of almost mixed messages that, and pointing fingers that it's not our problem, it's your problem, even within the same organisation. Even in a relatively small organisation, that's, that's apparent. That there's a, this kind of them and us culture, of it's, it's not my problem, it needs to be solved by someone else. So they're doing too much? Yeah, basically, too many things in motion. What are some of the factors you think contribute to that? 
Lack of clear priority. Maybe it's not a case of um, too many too many things in motion, but a lack of which ones we should do first, and we're trying to spread ourselves too thin. Um, people too too many. I'll say this. May I, I detected also a top-heavy kind of management balance in a lot of these teams at this particular organisation. Um, so, is you know, are there are decisions being made by people not close enough necessarily to whether they can be done by people yeah. who are actually doing the work? So, potentially an imbalance there. Do you think there's a, there's, a, there's potential for each of these managers to want to have? their own project success that they have their name associated with? Mm, potentially, yeah. So maybe... They're um, a pet project. Maybe not a pet project, but just incentivised individually rather than as a, as a global group, <coughs> as, a, as an organisation, as a, as a company. Are we, are we being recognised and rewarded for, this, for the right things, the yeah. same things? And that stems from a, just a systemic lack of alignment, really, isn't it? Is there's a lack of everybody being on the same page, yeah. working towards the same goals. Yeah. Well, People-pleasing generally for, comes into play here in terms of the difficulty in saying no to a client, to a customer, to, to anyone, yeah, to anybody. You know, I've got this idea. I think there's a couple of other things. I'm, I'm going to put a name to it: the magpie effect. I just I don't know whether that's a thing or not, but if it isn't, it is now. Being shiny attracted things. to shiny things. Yeah, magpies yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and does that again? Is that is that a British bird, a magpie? No, that's that's a. People should understand that, shouldn't they? Yeah. A magpie looks like black and white, yeah. kind of big bird. Is it big? Oh, yeah. Yeah, quite big. Yeah. But um, yeah, they're, they're they're known for stealing shiny things, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but yeah, being attracted to that and just picking it up simply because it is shiny, not because it's any useful. And that that well, it, ooh, that's cool. That's sexy. Let's yeah. try that. And, and just having too many plates spinning because you can't say you can't avoid can't resist the temptation. Yeah. I think FOMO as well. Yeah. The idea that there's an opportunity there to do something, and if I don't do it, I'll never I do might, it. Yeah, yeah, I might miss out on that. Mm. And I'd rather have tried it and failed than not tried it. That, that, those things play into it, but I'm not necessarily sure consciously. I don't think people realise that's happening. But they're, they're collecting these shiny things or worried about missing out on things. But it's amazing to me that this when when I tried and I'm in a room with these people I'm trying to, I'm coaching this to assess the level of fear that people have on admitting that something can't be done yeah and be- genuinely but the general believing yet you can sit their bosses in a room and they'll say it's not a problem we just need to know about it and we can deal with it yet you know people can attach maybe over inflate and amplify this the potential bad things that can happen but in effect it's probably worse to do these things and then fake in some way fake progress or fake success Mm. because it probably puts you in a worse position more pain further down that road yeah and that's what for me more than ever these days (laughs) it seems to completely baffle me as to how that can't be a sustainable way to work. No. Are you guilty of it at all? Um, I think I'm less 
less I probably yeah less so now I think I'm better at it now what was the turning point for you um, I think it's I think it's maybe maybe an age thing and maybe a, a, a history thing that taking too much on gave me a lot of stress I can remember getting ill um, yeah, kind of you know, coming down with flu or you know just generally being under the weather from taking on too much stuff overworked couldn't sleep um, you know that's 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 stress to it and, and mental health these days is wellness and, and well-being is a massive part of not just my world but it should be a part of everyone's world. What tactics did you employ to stop yourself from falling into the traps again? I can't think of anything specific. It's just, I suppose my, my, certainly my family are much more were much more aware of what to look out for. It's, yeah, it's, um, and I listen to those people you know, maybe a lot more than than I used to now. Kids, kids are a good come full circle back to kids. Kids are a, my kids are a very good um, stabilising factor on me. And I've told you before about when you when your daughter writes you a, a letter asking you to basically telling you you work too hard. Yeah. It tends to resonate a lot more with me now than being told by you or you know by my wife or whoever. When your kids are saying that, when your kids are telling you that we don't see you very much, Daddy. That's that's quite a yeah heartbreaking way to, to learn that that type of information but yeah I've, I've, when you ask me what I've been doing the last couple of months I've been very lucky that I haven't really had to stay away from home until well in fact no I haven't stayed in the hotel since kind of before well since 2018 now I haven't had to stay away from home so really? I've had I've just been quite lucky that a lot of my work has well I'm crazy catching three o'clock flights well yeah that's that's my own silly that was again not sustainable and I won't be doing it again but I've a couple of early, very early starts but no I, I've up until then up until last week it's been a very nice way well, I, last week I had a course in Bath with a good client that I've been going back to for a long time and I was home on the second day I was home by five o'clock so let's drill into it again because I think there's some parallels here so I think I'm conscious actually I didn't actually explain what FOMO was just in case <laughs> yeah, people sure. aren't familiar with it fear of missing out FOMO F-O-M-O um, the idea that, and it, it stemmed from social media really and you see people's social media posts and you see all that stuff and you think oh I should be doing that yeah, yeah, it sort yeah. of depresses people so fear of missing out there's, there's an opportunity out there so put, put this into your context then so you, you made this decision your, your daughter said daddy I want you to be at home more you think you want to be at home more improves your mental state yeah but then a, a really attractive exciting interesting piece of work comes up new mm. client mm. but it would involve you being away a lot more how do you what, 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 how do you rationalise that how do you decide not to do that how do you tackle that I think it depends what I've got to compare it against obviously we're dealing with my livelihood here as well yeah. so there's an element here that I have to put food on the table to a degree as well at home and you know provide for my, my family so brutal as it is there's some times when I do have to I might have to do that 
I'm going to pick up on something you said though. A lot of organisations over over air emphasise over air go yeah, emphasise yeah, yeah. the potential downside. No, you're right. You wouldn't you wouldn't be able to stop putting food on the table. No, 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 no. But it's a, the first yeah. thought that comes into your mind yeah. consciously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, and it's it's probably a false level of um, reality in terms of I don't I could potentially still I'm lucky enough that I could work less and still have a very rich lifestyle you know, I mean rich as in that way sense but a, a healthy balanced work life work life um, arrangement so I am lucky in that way because some people aren't that lucky absolutely and they have to work very hard just to make ends meet and I'm not you know I'm in a very fortunate position I'm very aware of that um, but yeah sometimes we are attracted by things which might break us out of that um, the need or the uh, the desired state yeah and that sometimes that's good for a personal challenge but I don't think it's maybe a sustainable one for me so you can you can challenge your assumptions. So if you if you don't really consciously ask yourself what's going through my head, that that thought of well I might not be able to put food on the table wouldn't yeah. wouldn't actually be consciously verbalised if you like. Yeah. But once you do, you think well what am I assuming here? Well actually that assumption is not true. Yeah. Makes it easier to say no to that client. What are the what are the things would help you make that decision? Um. Personal development, I suppose, in terms of staying current and staying um, kudos. Not ku- maybe kudos is the wrong word. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah. But also personal integrity that I feel. You know, I have to stay present. Yeah. With real life issues, I don't just want to become a trainer that sits and teaches theory. I want to be able to give real life. Yeah. I think I'll be a better trainer and coach through talking through examples. And yeah, you don't want to be an academic. No, I want to be. Pr- um, and, yeah, so that's tying into your values then about who you want hmm. to be professionally. Integrity. And I mean, there is an element of obligation that you feel you have to, but you actually want to as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and allowing yourself to do that. So it's very easy for a parent to self-sacrifice, right? And say, well, I, I, I sub- subvert myself to my my family, but actually, there's an element of your own personal fulfilment yeah. in life. As well, and if that's something that interests you, then that's got to be weighed up. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair, and I think that's at an organisational level. I think, do we take on this new client? Do we take on this new project? Do we create this new product? Looking at well, what it, what actually would happen if we didn't? Let's just consciously assess that. And if we did do that, what, what would be the opportunity cost? You know, what would we have to sacrifice? Yeah, you know, family time that could be quality time uh, with with your with your family, um, but it might be actually letting another client that's currently ongoing drop down the pecking order. Yeah. perhaps um, it could be not producing a new internal product. So cost benefits analysis, effectively, but not just financial. Mm. And that's where product owners really, really, the great product owners come into their own because they're not just making these decisions at the product level, they're looking at this at the holistic organizational level. What kind of company do we want to be? And and making those values based decisions and helping the leaders within the organization make those values based decisions. I think you're right, and it takes a real. Can you imagine a, a product owner that basically has to say, 
we've got to the top of that kind of value S curve now that I'm, yeah. I'm effectively just burning company money, but I'm not adding value. Yeah. Or that maybe not, I'm not, but my, the product I'm building has reached a point where we're not adding enough value. So it needs to be put out to pasture. Exactly. It needs to be yeah, maybe. It's not. It takes a real kind of humility to say this isn't worth it. Yeah. It's not. I think it's not a personal reflection, but. I see a lot of product owners that are just given given backlogs and feel the duty to, to deliver them. Yeah. Rather than actually question, is this even worth delivering? I got a bit of, um, I'm not going to say stick. <laughs> Feedback. I got a few curious inquiries. Yeah. Shall I say. So when I wrote the coach's case book with Kim, yeah. we ummed and ahed about whether to bring in one of the 12 traits, which was coping with loss. And there was an argument that well, that's not a trait. It's not like perfectionism. Yeah. It's just it's something different. But there's there is it's, we thought we we decided we would, and we thought there was an interesting aspect to it. And I think that's something that gets a few raised eyebrows when it comes to product ownership. But we get attached to things. Yeah. Human beings get attached to things. And you think back to some of the, the best projects you've been involved in, or the best products you've been involved in creating, and the idea of that product being retired, yes. deleted, yeah. no longer fit for purpose, yeah. Yeah, yeah. sold off. Yeah. That but leaves a hole for people. Yeah. People resist that for, yeah. for too long because of this inability to cope with loss. Yeah. So is that, if that was a trait, would it be resilience? Is that I'm trying to trying to put it yeah. down to a single word? Is it about kind of fortitude or yeah, you know, or how you describe it? About is that, is that human? Because it, it, when you say coping with loss, it sounds to me like death. To, to be, not to be morbid about yeah. it, but it sounds like a but loss. It's very similar. It is very similar in, in terms of what you go through. But the, and you focus on what you're missing out on. And one of the one of the big best phrases I try and get this across to my kids: Don't be sad that it ended. Be happy that it happened. Yeah. Um, and you know, we've had pets that have died and things like that. Don't be sad that they've gone. Be happy that they existed. Be happy that they had them. That, that kind of fo focusing on the, on the on the loss aspect, whereas focusing on the benefits and good times. Well, exactly. Happen. Yeah. Even with the product life cycle that you've delivered value over time, it's yeah. just that it's it's tapered off, and you've got to be able to cope with that. And the downside is if you cling on too long to these products that should have been retired, these projects, these times, these teams, even the organisations, yeah. if you hang on to them too long, you resist tainting the you, you, you risk tainting the good memories yeah. by dragging it down. And having the, 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 the so I guess we're looking for that word, isn't it, that fortitude, that, yeah. that ruthlessness. Yeah. To, to cut it when the time is right is a huge aspect of being a product owner. Whether it's cutting a, pro, a, 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 a feature from the product back, or yeah. cutting a product, or actually saying this, you know, this is a, a, a demographic that we're not going to be targeting, whatever it is. And that's the, sometimes the hardest thing to do. So, without wishing to focus on the loss of my point, well, it's gone from birth to death. Yeah. Yeah. That. This whole, this, <laughs> there's a kind of from the phoenix. <laughs> Let's see how we've done that. So, wow. so the kind of the birth of a new uh, phoenix. So the best bird. way to do this is to go and get another point, isn't it? <laughs> and carry on all over again like it never happened.
but uh, that's for another day. Yeah, well, that's good. Day. Good fun, mate. It's good to see you again. Yeah. Let's, uh, hope it's not too long before the next one. And uh, hopefully next time we'll find somewhere with good Wi-Fi or at least 4G. <laughs> we'll try and stream. And the next. Maybe do a stream. So until uh, next time, cheers. Cheers, mate. Ta -ra.